Hey, pals, I'm Lauren Ober, and this is a very special hot and sweaty August episode of The Big Listen. In 2003, Jonathan Groff was just a kid with big Broadway dreams growing up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. That is until he landed in a national tour of The Sound of Music. And then in just a few short years, Groff went from high school drama geek to Tony-nominated actor for his role in the hit show Spring Awakening. From there, Groff's star ascended, like at breakneck pace. He nabbed a role on the TV show Glee, and he performed the voice of Kristoff in Disney's blockbuster movie Frozen. You're welcome for that sing-along. Then it was back to Broadway where Groff landed a gang playing King George in a little production you might have heard of called Hamilton. And again, he was nominated for a Tony Award. Okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> That is all to say that Groff is extremely talented, unlike some people on this microphone. He is also very much in demand. So why would he want to do a podcast musical? That's one of the questions I asked him in our recent chat about 36 Questions. It's a podcast in musical form, or is it a musical in podcast form? I don't know. And it is based on the New York Times modern love essay called To Fall in Love with Anyone, Do This. Would you like to be famous? In what way? In our chat, Groff and I also did a couple of the famed 36 questions that lead to love. But we didn't do all of them because I didn't want him to fall in love with me. It would only break his heart and probably his spirit. Anyway, here's our conversation with Broadway superstar Jonathan Groff. Questions tonight. Jonathan Graff, one of the stars of the podcast, 36 Questions. Welcome to The Big Listen. Oh my God, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We are thrilled that you are here taking some time out of your probably busy schedule. I'm I'm guessing that post-Hamilton you are in demand. Post-Hamilton, God, it's so crazy because I left Hamilton like over a year ago and I lived in Pittsburgh for a year shooting a TV show that comes out in October. So in some ways, Hamilton feels like a bit of a distant memory, although I just saw it on Broadway a couple of months ago. Uh, So I still can't stay away. I'm still very addicted to uh, seeing the show as much as possible. (laughs) You and everyone else. Um, So I want to talk about, obviously, the musical podcast, 36 Questions. But first, it is obviously based on this I don't even know what you would call it, a little experiment, a psychological experiment. Describe the sort of the iconic 36 questions for me. The 36 questions to love is the most, I think it still holds the record, as the most read article uh, in the New York Times. And it's this study that (laughs) these uh, psychologists, scientists did where they said if you could get two people together that have just met and if they ask each other an honest answer and answer honestly these 36 questions they will fall in love mm-hmm. right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's pretty interesting right i mean it, it and it has 
been borne out. Um, yeah, I mean, many, 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 many people have done this and have ended up in relationships. So it's there's some there's something to it. it definitely. And I somehow I missed this article and I missed this study somehow until this project came along. Uh, and I was on a road trip with my friends in a car. And we sort of like lightly went through the questions. We didn't drop all the way in with them. But some of them are obvious. You're like, oh, who would you most want to go to dinner with? And then it gets... It gets deeper and more complicated and more, I think, vulnerable as they go along. So it makes sense that you would start to empathize or fall in love with the person that you're talking to, I think, when you ask each other these questions. Right. I like that you did it in a car, in a car yeah. full of your friends. Like at the end, I mean, you could have all been just like in a four person date by the end of it. <laughs> exactly. We have this like, now we're in this very weird polyamorous relationship since that car ride is very strange, but that's the power that of 36 be, questions. That would be amazing. <laughs> so obviously the the podcast that you were in, this musical podcast, pivots on on these questions. But what was it about doing a musical podcast that appealed to you? Well, when I saw it was an email that came through my agents and when I saw on the subject musical podcast. I just found that so interesting because I'd never heard of a musical podcast mm -hmm. before. Obviously, I'd heard of musicals and obviously I'd heard of podcasts, but not both at the same time. So that idea intrigued mm -hmm. me. And then I met with the producers and they, they had produced this podcast called Limetown that was really interesting. And they were talking mm -hmm. about how they wanted to break form with the podcast and try something new and different. That excited me. They also spoke to how mm -hmm. expensive it is to see a musical and how, you know, you're yeah. paying on Broadway $150 a ticket, probably minimum now to go see a Broadway show. And how wouldn't mm -hmm. it be great if we could start a trend of people creating musicals that people could listen to for free in their ears with no charge. Yeah. So I thought that was exciting. And then uh, Chris and Ellen, mm -hmm. who wrote the story and the script and the music and lyrics, uh, they sent me a couple of their songs, and I just thought they were so interesting and beautiful and intriguing. And so all of that combined made me want to jump in. We'll do this one A lot of folks have tried to make musical podcasts without a ton of success. And I wonder why you think that this particular story works in musical podcast form. I think part of why it works is the subject matter is about uh, relationships and intimacy. And ultimately, it's a conversation between two people. The conceit that you kind of have to just like jump in and go with is that we're recording everything on our phone in the voice memo section. Mm -hmm. The people in post and the sound designers have done such an incredible job of making it sound like we're outside or we're speaking closely or I'm yelling at her from whatever. You know, they do a whole other like thing with storytelling that's so amazing that I think makes it sound really real. Uh. What was that? 
That was the sound of a shelf I just installed, buckling under the weight of a hundred books. Ah. I knew I was putting... And there goes my grandmother's urn. And... Uh, actually, I have no idea what that is. Pardon me. I... I know I'm not supposed to be asking questions, but... Your moms are loaded. Couldn't they have hired someone to do all this work on the house? They don't know. They don't know you're renovating. You know, renovating is such a strong word. Do you smell smoke? Uh, yeah, that's a fire. Just, uh, just stay calm. Just, uh, just a small electrical fire. Would you hear me that blanket? Uh, yeah. For the record, Jace is putting out a fire with what looks like an antique Quaker quilt. What? Oh, damn it. I thought that was something else. Uh, well, as you can see, your timing, as always, is impeccable. One thing, Jace. That's all I'm asking for. I feel like 36 Questions is written specifically for the ear. So I think the way that it's written, you don't actually need to see anything. But I but I wonder if that changes how you approach it as a performer, because obviously you're you're performing it in a studio. Yeah, it's interesting because it, it uh, doing this whole sort of project, it was kind of like doing camera work. Uh, film or TV work, but with your voice in that mm-hmm. it's sort of your duty as an actor to do a million different versions of a million different things. And then you're really at the mercy of the post-production. And so in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, like you said, the story, it's like it's made for the for the ear. It's not, it's not meant to be seen. It's meant to be heard. And yes, of course, part of that is us performing it and being in the moment, Jesse and I being in the moment with each other and trying to be as real as we possibly can and using our imagination and whatnot. But a huge part of the storytelling and the effect and the artistry, I think, of what happens in this podcast happens in the post-production because it just really mm-hmm. blew my mind hearing it because I was there <laughs> and I was like, right, oh, it sounds right. like I'm outside. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> For you as an actor, do you have to sort of use a different part of your imagination or use more of it when you're doing things like this where you're where you're in the studio like Frozen or or this musical podcast 36 questions where you don't have the benefit of an audience and you kind of have to create the world in your own head I imagine yeah one of the things I love most about it is that the microphone it's sort of like studio singing and like you said recording Frozen or the microphone, or even just how I'm talking to you right now, very closely into this microphone, and if I burp or if I sigh in a weird way, <laughs> everything, every sort of, they're, they're, it's so exposed. And I remember the first time, because I started in theater, and the first time I did a film, the I was in rehearsal with the director, and he said, if you feel it, we'll see it. You don't have to show it to us like you kind of do mm-hmm. in the theater to play to the back row. And I find that mm-hmm. to be true with voice work, where the minute you start pushing or faking it or like sort of telegraphing something as opposed to feeling something, you can tell. Mm-hmm. It's so obvious because the microphone right. sort of picks up on everything. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I love the the sort of rawness and the intimacy of working uh, with the the just the vocal into the microphone storytelling because it's so exposed. You know, you're just kind of, you just have to lose yourself and then they mm-hmm. pick up the pieces and cut it all together. But it's it's a really fun experience as an actor because you really get to just let loose and try everything. But I made a pact with my moms 
Under no circumstance should I hear out Natalie Unlike you, I keep my word And promises I make become my reality You like to live your life blurring the lines Bending the rules to make yourself look better But all that I wanted was something concrete And to know for a fact you are real The songs, to me, as a very terrible singer, they sounded a little complicated. It took me forever to learn the music. Okay, it's, so I wasn't. So I'm not crazy. No, you're not that crazy. It actually, sounded hard. You're not crazy. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and what's so like amazing and incredible and annoying about these composers <laughs> is that they, they they've written these really intricate things, and I would sort of in my mind as I'm learning it be like, oh, why is it like this? And then, right. but then when I would learn it. I would understand emotionally exactly why it was that way. So what was annoying about it is you're like, this is so effing hard. And then you're like, but it's because they're so effing smart that they wrote it in this specific, unique way because of the emotional thing that's happening here. It all made sense. Uh, then Then for me, I just have to like buckle down and do my homework and just shut up and learn the music i'm a remedial music learner to begin with uh so it was <laughs> that, that chris and ellen would tell you that you know i was like ah, you know, i was i was i was having a hard time but we got there in the end but yeah it's very atonal ellen was a jazz major at school so it's there's like a jazzy element to it uh and i love it i just i think these composers are so talented and I believe in them so much and I I love their music and it really yes it was a challenge but ultimately truly a joy and it was another reason I wanted to do this podcast musical because I think of all of these amazing composers that are out there that don't have the money or and the funds to put together a a, even a workshop of a musical these days is incredibly expensive to get actors and whatever and yes a podcast is expensive but the idea that that new composers can flex their muscles and and sing and use their voices and try new things and be daring and be creative is exciting to me so I wanted I want to support that kind of work and that kind of experimentation so you said that you had done 36 questions before do you think I should ask you some of the 36 questions so that you and I can fall in love of course obviously oh my god so great Uh, no, I, I would like to ask you maybe one of the softball ones because they go from sort of real easy to real okay, hard. Ask me anything. I'm an open um, book, Lauren. Go for it. Oh my gosh. Hey, what would constitute a perfect day for Jonathan Groff? Oh, that's such a let's see. That one's really hard to me. Oh boy. <laughs> You're like I'm already we asleep. At the no, no, no. That's good. Okay, a perfect day. I'm just gonna say the first thing that comes to my head. This relationship really doesn't have legs. <laughs> uh, pizza is the first thing that comes to my brain. I don't know why. Maybe because I haven't had pizza in a while. Uh, a perfect day would definitely be... Well, I'm a big bike rider, so it would definitely involve some sort of outdoor traveling on a bike. I'm going to say I'm going to bike along a beach... Uh, with someone that I'm in love with. I'm not in love with anyone right now, but just 
Right, but you might be in love with me after this. I don't know. Okay, we'll so you and I are on a are on a bicycle built for two along <laughs> along the boardwalk, and yes. it's sort of like late morning, and so we're on the boardwalk and we're on a bicycle built for two, and we're just sort of talking and getting ready for the day, and then we we sort of pull over on our bicycle built for two and have some like breakfast at a little cute cafe, maybe have a like bloody mary or a mimosa. Then we bike along, and there's, like, the whole beach is there. Um, there's a live band mm-hmm. on the beach. Um, oh, wow. And Barbara Streisand circa 1964 is singing old, mm-hmm. like, standards mm-hmm. with a five-piece band. Down with love, with flowers and rice and Down with love, the root of all midnight blue. Love it. Mm-hmm. And so we're on the beach and we're just sort of hanging out. And then and then also like 30 of our closest friends are there. And so we're all sort of like hanging out and we're kind of dancing on the beach. And then there's all this pizza that gets delivered. And so there's all this pizza and we're on the beach and then we're in the ocean and we're having so much fun. And then... <laughs> can't even imagine eating pizza in the ocean. <laughs> but we I, are, though. But, That's what we're doing. And there's, like, there's like an overflowing amount of Diet Coke just, like, everywhere. <laughs> and... <laughs> what? And we're just of losing ourselves in the day. Like... And then it turns into this... And then as it gets to dusk, it turns into this crazy... There's beach volleyball, too, by the way. And then there's this, like, also dance floor on the beach. And then Barbara, like, goes away. And then the roots come out. And then there's this huge dance party on this giant like stage on the beach. We're still on the beach, and there's like the, we Whoa. can still there's like outdoor showers there, so we can like shower and change clothes and okay, stuff. And then we're dancing on the beach, uh, and then you and I get on our bicycle bill for two when Ooh. the stars come out, and we go back to our little beach house. And then you know what goes down in the beach house after that. Yeah. No, exactly. I, I just fall asleep um, and the bed gets all sandy. So <laughs> that you said no, that. No, I'm me. just kidding. We <laughs> no, we we just gaze into each other's eyes and do more thirty six questions. Yeah. And then like make passionate love until the sun comes up. <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> my my producer just shook her head and basically walked out. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, nope, no, this can't happen. You know, people are going to be really, really jealous out there that we just had this day together. So um, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you a slightly more intimate 36 questions question, which is, Jonathan Groff, when was the last time you cried in front of another person? And when was the last time you cried by yourself? The last time I cried in front of another person was like yesterday while singing these songs from this concert that I'm doing at the Hollywood Bowl, these like Sondheim songs.
all of us that are doing the the cast is amazing and uh we've gotten along so well and we all have that kind of like nerdy love for the material that we're doing and so we've all kind of like cried together in certain moments over the past couple of days um that's real sweet the last time i cried by myself when was that that's a really good question i think i was watching a movie in bed Just like, I think also a couple of days ago. But what was I watching? Right. I can't remember in this moment what I was watching, but I remember just like losing it. Kung Fu Panda? Definitely wasn't Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> I've never seen Kung okay, Fu Panda. Just wondering. Actually. What was I watching? Me neither. <laughs> I cry a lot while watching uh, or reading, like reading books, I'll cry, or watching films, I'll cry. And then in the theater, I often cry a lot. But I don't cry often in, like, real life. Oh, yeah. No, I hear that. I cry in the theater all the time, but I don't cry reading books. I don't know why. I pl- cry on planes, actually, mostly. <gasps> Wait, I think that's what it was. Yes, you just reminded me. It was not in my, uh, it was not in my bed. It was on the plane on the way to L.A. watching When Harry Met Sally. I lost it. Oh, <laughs> Of course, because Harry met Sally and also because of the altitude. Totally. Oh, my God. Every time in the plane. It was when she was like, it was at the end at the New Year's Eve party when he comes up to her. Yeah. You know, she says something like, you make me like you or so. What is her line at the end there? Yeah. That is just like you, Harry. You say things like that and you make it impossible for me to hate you. Oh, my God. I I lost it. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm glad to know that. You can summon tears because not everybody can. So, oh my god, I cry all the time. I actually went. (laughs) I went to see back to Barbara Streisand. I went to go see her in concert in Brooklyn. Obviously, I'm obsessed. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm, and I'm in a real like deep. It's a deep obsession in this moment. And I took my friend and I kind of drug my friend and he was like, okay, I'll go with you. I'll go with you because I know how much you want to see her. So of course I'll go with you. And I'm on the edge of my seat for the whole concert. And at the end, she's singing "Happy Days Are Here Again," and I look over at him Mm -hmm. and I was like. Are you crying? And he was crying at the Barbra Streisand concert. Happy days are here again. The skies above are clear again. Jonathan Groff is one of the stars of the podcast musical 36 Questions from Two Up Productions. To find out more about the show, check out biglisten.org. And to hear he and I sing a little duet in an upcoming episode, be sure to subscribe to The Big Listen on Apple Podcasts or NPR One or wherever you get your podcasts. Shout it now.